again. He gets the edge and he's brilliantly caught by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch. He drives. This could be it. He beats it off. The arm is in the air already. There's nothing quite like your first test century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. This is Test Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. Welcome to Stumps for another week. We've been building up to the start of the International Men's Summer. We've had plenty of cricket to keep us entertained uh, through the last month or the first month of Stumps. Plenty of domestic cricket, WBBL, which is just in full flight at the moment and uh, taking the interest of many cricket fans around the country. But now we we uh, wait only 24 hours before the start of the men's international summer. It begins with the T20s in Adelaide tomorrow, Australia against Sri Lanka. Bryce McGain is with me here once more for another edition of Stumps. Hello, Bryce. Hello, Jordan, and good afternoon to you and our listeners. Uh, look, it's been an action-packed domestic, uh, well, you, a month, I suppose, of, of cricket. There's plenty happening. Uh, plenty of average weather in Melbourne as well. So the <laughs> cricket is getting blown away with covers and all that sort of stuff today. But uh, what we're seeing now is we're just on the cusp of the international part, outroll the Australian T20 team. And it's it's a really important series uh, coming up because it, it is the, the first opportunity for 14 players to go and put their... Uh, well, they're the first group to be able to put their uh, names up in front of the selectors as a T20 World Cup going into next year. It's an exciting time. These players know that it's a chance to give themselves the first opportunity. Absolutely. One man who is over there in Adelaide covering it for uh, for The Age is sports reporter Dan Churney, who joins us right off the top of the program here on Stumps. Hello, Dan. How are you? How's Adelaide? Yeah, uh, well, thanks. Good to be with you, uh, Bryce and Jordan. Yeah, no, it's going well here in Adelaide. How's the weather there, Dan? Because it's a bit average. They've sent over some average weather they might have had yesterday. Uh, it's a bit average in Melbourne today. How's it looking there? And more importantly, how's it going to shape up for tomorrow's T20 international game? Uh, it's the weather. There was a bit of rain here yesterday, but it's been um, fine today. Uh, not not overly hot. Not sort of uh, not the kind of conditions you generally associate with uh, with international cricket in Adelaide. But uh, um, just but it's eighteen degrees as we sit, and uh, similar conditions tomorrow. So sort of mark. Uh, pretty mild, um, and uh, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing so out of the ordinary. So there shouldn't be any issues tomorrow. There's a, 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 a tiny chance of rain, but uh, I imagine we'll get a full game uh, ahead. Good signs. And uh, what were the Australians up to today in preparation for their their game tomorrow? Uh, they had training uh, this morning, or from ten till about one. Uh, they uh, it was another pretty intense session. Uh, or, for those who were participating, it was an optional session. That Glenn Maxwell, for instance, uh, was one who, who didn't uh, train. But Aaron Finch, who had been uh, under a bit of an injury cloud, he had a fair hit out from um, from the front line quicks with uh, Stark, Cummins, and Stanlake all um, bearing down on him, and he got through um, all seemingly with flying colours because he's uh, he's been cleared to play. Uh, he's, he's a 99% chance to go to play tomorrow. Um, he, he's feeling a lot better. He, he's fielding. Uh, he's moving reasonably, reasonably well uh, in, in fielding drills as well. So um, all the talk about Australia potentially needing a new captain for this game uh, look, looks like it's not going to materialise. Dan, I'll ask you the same question about the Sri Lankans. How are they training today? I heard it was a bit of a, a lockdown situation with them. 
Yes, uh, they were um, they're keeping initially. In fact, they weren't even going to have to put anyone up to the media today. They actually come without a media manager. They've just got a team manager. Uh, they were um, initially Lucy Malinga, the captain, wasn't even going to speak. He did end up talking um, for about five minutes at a press conference. Uh, but so yeah, they had. Um, it didn't look like they were doing anything particularly dramatic, but they just uh, nevertheless didn't, uh, didn't want any cameras to take any photos of them training. They were just in the nets and out on the ground. Uh, we, we could have a look from, from where we were stationed in the, in the press box, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe some state secrets there. It's a bit, bit, uh, bit weird because it's not so used to changing. I wouldn't have thought there'd be that much to hide from a, from a net session, but um, perhaps... Uh, Perhaps there's some sort of secret plan that they're going to unleash. In, interesting way to pre- prepare and, uh, I guess, promote the game uh, for tomorrow. Uh, the Australian team's had a change. Uh, Andrew Tyers out um, elbow injury uh, a few days back, um, and he's going. unfortunately got to go and see a Sydney specialist to get over that. Sean Abbott comes into the side. Uh, surprise for you, Dan? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, Sean Abbott uh, hasn't played uh, international cricket for Australia in five years. Um, not to say that he hasn't been thereabouts at all. His BBL form has been reasonable. Uh, uh, he has uh, he was in the uh, he was in beg your pardon he was in uh, England um, as part of the Australia A uh, white ball setup uh, earlier this year. So he's clearly hadn't been too far off the mark. Um, and and the Australian selectors have shown in the past that, that they they like what he what he offers. Um, I was a bit surprised that they didn't bring in um, maybe a, maybe a Jai Richardson. Uh, or someone like that to replace Ty, but uh, clearly uh, they, they they want to have a look at Abbott um, in the next little while. And this whole series really is is coming up. Um, well, Australia play a lot of T20 cricket now in the lead up to next year's T20 World Cup on Australian soil. So um, perhaps they want they want to um, take a look at Abbott um, and be considering him for um, one of the options for uh, that series. It's unfortunate for Andrew Ty, AJ Ty, who uh, has been thereabouts in Australia's T20 setup for quite some time. Um, looks like he's going to miss all of the series and the cup coming series against Pakistan, and um, you know it can be a fair way back from there. Uh, you know, then, then uh, we'll, we wait. We wait to see how bad the the injury is, but hopefully he's back on a big bash and can sort of push his case ahead of um, some more T20 international next year. Daniel, as you said, Sean Abbott's um, his domestic form, his BBL form has has generally been pretty good over the last couple of years. I know they're as you said, there are other candidates for uh, for a spot as an Australian fast bowler in the setup, but maybe could you look at this as uh, this being an overdue call up for, for Sean Abbott uh, again into the T Twenty uh, system? Um, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, I think he's been um, he's, he's sort of been one of those up and down sort of bowlers. He's had some he's had some good seasons and then some, some, some not too flash seasons. Um, he, he they sort of um, there's, there's a period where he's been used a lot in the, in the late overs and. It, couldn't quite seem to, be, to get the, the job done, um, so I, I think look, there's probably an argument for that. But um, I don't think his numbers were sort of so compelling, or his form was so compelling that it was really overdue. Uh, I, I don't think he was absolutely banging the door down. Um, like, how could they not pick him? Um, but nevertheless, they, 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 they could do worse. So I, I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's probably a, a fair selection without being sort of um, uh, without being an un, a really un, unreasonable one um, either way. That makes sense. And Steve Smith comes into the lineup. He hasn't played T Twenty cricket in a long, long time for Australia. Probably the the type of series that he's in the past had a bit of a rest from. Uh, how's he shaping up? Yeah, you're right, Bryce. Uh, he hasn't played T uh, Twenty international for Australia in uh, almost four years since the last T Twenty World Cup in March, uh, three and a half years, March 2016, uh, and he's 
2020 form um, has been, well, historically, he's not been a great 2020 player. Uh, he was actually dropped from the Rajasthan team uh, uh, earlier this year. So he's not, um, he, he's, he's, he's not, I suppose he's, he's not a power hitter. He's not the kind of guy that you necessarily associate with, with T20 cricket. Um, not to say he can't score runs reasonably quickly, but um, he's not, you know, like a Warner or a Finch. And he acknowledged as much himself yesterday. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's obviously um, answered pretty much every question whenever he's been challenged in international cricket to this point. So um, it'd be brave to really to, to uh, you know to um, to bet against him doing uh, yeah being able to perform. But it, it is going to be a challenge for him because it's not uh, he's really a rotator of the strike and not someone who he he probably hits it around 120 in T20 cricket, which is okay to have maybe one guy like that in the team, but. Um, Sort of, um, you do wonder whether uh, there could theoretically be a better options. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, and um, as I said, Steve Smith, you, you wouldn't bet it against him. Uh, yeah, as you say, that is going to be interesting because, look, most T20 sides, and I suppose it's the domestic teams that we're seeing a lot of these strategies come from, but uh, what they're finding, the first six overs are so critical in setting up a big target that they just want to keep going. So they've got guys who can clear the clear the ropes and, and clear the 30-yard circle, I suppose, and really attack the boundaries in those first six overs. So maybe, as you say, maybe that isn't the role for Steve Smith. He might find himself batting at sort of five or six, letting those hitters really go after it early and then set up the rotation of strike and the fast running between the wickets and hitting to 360 degrees. So I think, Australia, we're going to see a lot out of these series as much as we say, oh, it's a long time to the World Cup. But we're going to see the Australian strategy and... To be honest, in the past, it hasn't been that compelling, I, I must say. Danny, are you looking forward to that as well? Just how they set up and just strategically what they're going to do different to maybe what they have done in the past? Oh, definitely, Bryce. I mean, you look at the... Um, it, it, it's interesting because Australia haven't... Histo- I mean, they just haven't picked their best T20 team really ever. They, they, it's always been an afterthought. I think, oh, okay, around the World Cup, not so much, but... For most of the four-year cycle, it's an afterthought. Yeah, um, I agree. It's tacked on at the end of tours. It's sort of uh, so at times they picked you know genuine B teams because the, a couple of times the Test team's been off in India and they've actually they've literally picked B teams to play um, on on home soil while the Test squads are over in India. That happened a couple of years ago when we saw a lot of a lot of um, BBL guys get it get it. It was like a BBL All Stars. So yeah, um, for, for, the, for the Top Guns to actually be playing is unusual. Uh, and, and this is really going to be the first time when they're going to get a really sustained run of games leading into a World Cup. I mean, this, this, this for, for once, for the first time, seems like a, a very calculated... Um, perhaps it's because it's on home soil. Perhaps there's just not as much... There aren't as many marquee... There aren't really any marquee test series over the next 12 months. Obviously, we've just had a 50-over World Cup, so that's so the 50-over game isn't a huge priority in the next 12 months, but it, it, even though the... the, the um, and bilateral series is sort of down to three games now. So T20 is a real priority... Here, uh, and it will be interesting to see just how they 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 all fall um, and, and how you know who's in the best eleven because I mean you just couldn't say who's in Australia's best T Twenty eleven because they just they just haven't played enough T Twenty to, to, to know you know if you ask someone on the street who's in Australia's T Twenty eleven I mean it's, it's anyone's guess really yeah and you, you sort of look at the squad that we've uh, that has been picked and Aaron Finch there was um, a bit of an injury cloud surrounding Aaron Finch the captain heading into this series and. And the other one, and, and to Bryce, Bryce's point in Australia's strategy of getting the, the inning started in the first six overs, I think part of that is going to be David Warner, who will most likely open. Um, but do, do you have faith in the cattle that Australia has with Finch and whatever niggling injury he does have? And also David Warner, and he's much spoken about form at the moment. Is there faith that Australia will actually 
get those T20 innings off to a great start with with those at the top of the order? I think Finch and Warner, um, over a long, a pretty long period of time, have, have had um, have shown themselves to be very, very good um, international T20 players, and and you've got Glenn Maxwell there as well, who can open if, if need be. Um, I think, uh, not that I expect him to do so on this occasion, but I think, um, it, well, I mean, Warner, to go back a long time now, he made his debut in the, in the T20 scene, and that's sort of where he, where he made a name for himself. Uh, and Finch, um, I think it's been the, the, the format where he's been the most consistent and the, mo- and the, the least um, uh, and the most resistant to um, form slumps. So uh, I, I back both of them in. Um, to, to perform uh, generally, David Warner, even when he's not making runs overseas in Test cricket, as he clearly did in England, uh, generally in white ball cricket in Australia, he, he's a very, very consistent performer. So I think in these conditions, um, they'll suit him. Uh, and likewise, Finch. Uh, I, I'm more intrigued as to how the middle order stacks up. I think um, uh, McDermott and, Tur- and uh, Ben McDermott, Nasty Turner, and, and even Steve Smith to a degree. Uh, I think are all relatively unproven quantities in international T20 cricket. They've all sort of shown, um, well, not, let's say Smith in recent years, but certainly Turner and, um, and McDermott have, have done reasonably well at big bash level. But yeah. uh, whether they can convert that to the international stage remains to be seen. They sort of tried that with Chris Lynn and Darcy Short, who are both openers and big hitters, and, that, and they haven't quite come off. So whether these more specialised middle-order players are able to do it um, is going to be very, very interesting. Well, you mentioned Chris Lynn there, and... Uh, reports during the week that he, he hadn't been contacted, that he was out of the team. So he certainly had some disappointment about not being notified. Uh, it's subsequently been cleared up by the chairman of selectors. He got in touch. And now he finds himself actually captaining a Cricket Australia 11 team. They're playing a T20 game uh, with that Cricket Australia squad. I guess it's like a B squad or even a C squad um, that are going to play a game at Bankstown on Thursday against Pakistan and, and lead them into the T20 series that Pakistan will have with Australia. Um, Chris Lynn, do you think he's unlucky not to be in that top order? Because it, it doesn't appear that we have a lot of those top order dashes um, straight away. Yeah, it's a good question. It, it's, it's funny with, uh, with Lynn, he's sort of become um, because he's not contracted to Queensland, because he's not playing any any, um, any career for Queensland, he uh, so he's not going to miss it. They don't have to pull him out of any field games. So he becomes a, a very easy go to play for these tour matches that are on at the same time as a Shield and Marsh Cup game. So like we saw him in the Prime Minister's Eleven game the other week, and then yep. you, you, you touched on the CA Eleven game against Pakistan. I just just quickly go back on the point about about Trevor Holmes and the and the. And the communication. I mean, he, he wasn't in the team to start with. I mean, he'd been dropped a while ago, and it's cool to say he's still on the team. I think it's probably a bit much, um, given that Trevor Holmes, you know, his phone's always there anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, yeah, look, he's probably look. He has he has played a fair bit of T20 international cricket for Australia, uh, and his record is not all that flash. You're right, though. He is one of these few guys who, who has proven at domestic level consistently that he can. Go big, and you sort of think, well, it would be a shame if he didn't, if he, if he didn't get at least one more crack at it. I think the other issue that hurts him is his fielding. Um, he's had his, 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 I mean, you feel for him because he's had this, uh, these long-standing issues with his, with his body and, and, and the shoulders, and, and he's just he's a bit of a liability in the field. Um, and they are very um, keen to ensure that the fielding is a top priority. Aaron Finch touched on that as much today. Um, you've got Ashton Turner who's actually coming back from his shoulder. 
uh, shoulder surgery in the off season, and he he he's a little bit limited for this series. He he's, he wasn't throwing over um, uh, a training day, and he'll probably remain within that thirty over thirty meter ring. But they are very keen uh, to ensure that um, that guys playing are up to it from a fielding perspective, and that that's probably where Lynn um, that works against him. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, so, what can you expect? What what's a uh... A prediction for you tomorrow after maybe burgling a few views at the Sri Lankans. I know it was a closed session, but I, I know you have your ways, Dan. You would have kept an eye on them. And after hearing their skipper talk later on, well, what are your predictions for tomorrow at the Adelaide Oval? Uh, it's, it's, it is so hard to predict from a T20 perspective, especially given how rarely Australia has actually played. Um, uh, look, I think uh, I think given the quality on paper in the Australian team, um, I, I would I would back Australia in, um, uh, but you know, that's not with a, a huge um, amount of conviction because I just don't, I just think, as I said, it's, first of all, T20 cricket is is um, you know doesn't take a lot for, for things to, to go awry uh, and and be um, and we just haven't seen that much of it. And Sri Lanka have a, uh, just come back from Pakistan where they had a, a, a good series win over there. Yes, uh, it's a very young Sri Lankan side. Quite, quite, uh, not a lot of names that um, I imagine most of Australian audiences will be, will be too familiar with, other than um, Malinga, who uh, is captaining them. But um, uh, I, and they have shown in the past, frankly, that they, they've, they've been a pretty handy limited overs team in Australia. So they they famously they, they beat Australia uh, uh, must have been three summers ago uh, when, when it was that um, that sort of BBL All Stars team and a couple of thrilling games uh, in Melbourne and Geelong where they won on the last ball. So um, yeah, I. I, I Predict Australia to win, but uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be an interesting contest and, and just a lot of intrigue around the Australian team because it's um, that they are such an unknown quantity. A lot of added importance, uh, obviously, with the T20 World Cup coming up next year. So a couple of T20s to start off the summer against Sri Lanka and then into Pakistan. Dan Journey will be there following it all. Thank you very much, Dan, for joining us this afternoon on Stumps, and I'm sure we'll speak to you soon over the course of the summer. Uh, pleasure, Jordan and Bryce. Have a good one. Dan Cherney there from The Age, travelling around the country following the tests and the uh, international scene. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you here on Stumps. We'll come back on the other side of this. And um, following off the back of that, we'll look towards the domestic um, season and the form of some of our Australian players heading into the international summer and also just what's been happening around the One Day Cup and the Sheffield Shield. And also WBBL chat later on. Plenty of matches on today and across the weekend. This is Stumps right across the country. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. This is Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you this weekend as we look forward to the uh, Australian Test Summer, or Test, where are we? Spring still, aren't we? Before we get into the summer proper. But anyway, the, the Tests and the uh, International Summer, I should say, getting underway with the T20s uh, starting tomorrow. Australia and Sri Lanka, three of them uh, coming up. One at the Gabba afterwards and then the MCG in Melbourne on the 1st of November, followed up by uh, three more T20s against Pakistan, which then leads into the tests, which begin on the 21st of November, uh, two against Pakistan, and then those against New Zealand to finish off all the way through to Boxing Day and the New Year's test. Bryce McGain with me here. Bryce, there's been plenty happening on the domestic front over the last couple of weeks. We had uh, the wrap-up of the second round of the Sheffield Shield uh, last week, where we uh, saw results as well, which was a great change after two draws in the first round of Shield cricket. But we had um, successful run chases pretty much across the board um, with uh, this, the uh, second batting team winning 
all three matches in round two, and then we had a couple of uh, one-day cup matches as well uh, during the week. What caught your eye from, firstly, let's talk about the Shield. Uh, round two of the Sheffield Shield uh, last week, New South Wales, Queensland, and Western Australia, all winners about a week ago now. Yeah, look, Western Australia doing the number over Victoria and uh, and comprehensively beating Victoria, unfortunately. Uh, the, the challenge that probably let Victoria down was to bat the last day to avoid uh, giving an outright result to Western Australia, and they were unable to do that and being bowled out for 186. They backed it up with a, another loss on the Wednesday following that game. Wednesday, in, uh, early this week, uh, they, they dropped the game also to WA in the one-day competition. So WA getting the number over Victoria, which is m- most unusual, I suppose, uh, in, in that Victoria find themselves in a bit of a pickle. They, they've played the first two Shield games and have uh, just the batting points to show for it. No outright results for Victoria. And um, for a team that's been pretty dominant in the Sheffield Shield, uh, it's a most unusual situation. So a bit of pressure on those players now uh, to perform at the level they had done in the previous years. And even in the one-day cup as well, Victoria, they do have two wins to their name. But remember, they started a little bit sluggishly. Then they picked up a couple of wins, the, the Tasmanian win, and then against Queensland as well. But hasn't been all that consistent for the for the Vicks so far through the domestic season. No, not at all. Just the two wins out of the five games. And, and effectively, uh, with the final coming up, uh, and they've got another round of the one day as uh, the, the tournament's just about over for them. <laughs> and yep. they'd be very disappointed at this stage as well. And I, I have heard that, you know, Andrew McDonald was, was pretty direct with the players saying, you know, there needs to be a lift and there needs to be some responsibility for performance and uh, which they're a little disappointing. So Victoria under pressure just at the moment, both in the Sheffield Shield and also the, the one day series, the Sheffield Shield, just on the standings there um, that, uh, it's New South Wales that are shot out in front. They've had um, two outright results. So they've been quite impressive. And that's where they've had, I guess, their full tilt of international players. Exactly, so, yeah. How much of that changes once the uh, internationals gets underway? Yeah, and that's where things change a little. Certainly, uh, things change for New South Wales. Mitchell Stark was outstanding. Great to see him performing well with the red ball now. He, he only played uh, in one of the Ashes tests, but now yep. he's come back. He really found his mojo. He took five wickets in the first and second innings at the game at Dremoyne. Um, and, and 10 wickets for the match is, is fantastic. WA have got a result, and Queensland have a result as well. You mentioned that that was the case. Victoria, two games with, with no uh, outright result. Same with Tasmania and South Australia on the bottom, um, those three bottom teams, just with the batting points. One of the talking points, always fascinating talking point from uh, the Sheffield Shield, is whenever one of the Marshes makes runs. It was Sean Marsh this time, the double ton against Victoria, 214 um, in that first innings, which is pretty much what set up the win. Um, not too many other contributors. He had uh, Philip at the bottom of the order, made 65, and Inglis as well made 58, batting right down the bottom. But it was pretty much Sean Marsh who um, who sort of carried. Or oh, Marcus Stoinis made 56 as well, I should yep. say. Um, so where does this leave Sean Marsh then in the in the grand conversation of test selection, which we know there's a lot of spots open in the test team. There sure are. And it's probably a, a matter for Sean Marsh to say, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still going okay. Yeah. Uh, I can still bat. I know how to hold it. He was his highest score. First time he scored a double century, first class. So it's showing that he's still improving. Um, mm. Forget his age. That's to one side. I think he's 35. Uh, 35, 36, somewhere around there. Who cares, really? If he's performing and doing well consistently, well, then he's right in the picture yep. to be selected in the test lineup. Uh, I, I think it's unlikely. I think he's an outsider still, and there's still some ahead of him uh, to slot in there. But that's all he can do. What a if domestic he, what, year to score runs. What if he scored another ton and maybe a 50 in the last in these next two yeah. shield rounds before the, the test get underway? 
he's right in the mix. Yep. He's right in the mix. And but it does depend on what how the others go because some of the other players really haven't grabbed it as well. Ishman Kawaja, who missed out on the last last test uh, in the Ashes, uh, you know, he hasn't really performed as well. And we all cast an eye very quickly to the Queensland team because there's Renshaw, there's Burns, yep. there's Lubbershane and and also uh Usman Kawaja. Lubbershane's holding his own, scoring fifties, but not converting those into hundreds. So that's probably the criticism. Uh, he makes runs at tough times, though, which is a, a real positive. Like, that's what you want. Australian cricketers and the Australian cricket team needs players that when the going gets tough, they really knuckle down. And Lubbershane does that. And not quite, not Red Bull cricket, but he did that in the white ball game during the week as well. Made 135 minus Lubbershane when yeah. all the other wickets around him had fallen. I think, I believe both Renshaw and Burns, I'm trying to remember the scorecard off the top of my head, they both made ducks. Uh, Kawaja made very little as well, um, and he was pretty much the one that held up the innings for for Queensland, albeit in the one day match. Yeah, and well, they were in a very strong position there, and until they got done right in the end, South right Australia the got end. over them. It was incredible. Two balls left. Yeah, think, Harry yeah. Nielsen uh, really steering it to, the, and Adam Zamper as well um, was right in the mix with that. Uh, so look. Uh, you know, disappointing for Queensland, I suppose, dropping away. But great for Labuschagne. It's good to see batting form, whether it be white ball or red ball, is is it's not irrelevant. But uh, it just shows that good batting form is good batting form, and he he he'll certainly hold his own uh, in that Test lineup. And just on the age thing as well, going back to to Sean Marsh, I've mm. I've always I, I like um, picking older players. I'd rather have. I know the youth policy, and always you want to see the the fresh young talent and the Will Pukowskis of the world and Lloyd Pope in the future. Who knows? But I always like having the the, I'd rather the older players because they're older and they're wiser, and I think you need wizened older fellas in in your test team than probably the young bucks who are rash and want to make runs, which is you know on occasions can be a good thing. But I, if I was playing selector, I would pick the the wiser guys. You're pretty conservative, aren't you, Jordan? I do. I, You're conservative. I want. I know. I want. I want the. I want the the guys who have the the runs on the board, so to speak. No pun intended. To be to be in the uh, in the test setup. Yeah, look, experience is important, and I guess the Australian Test team. There's 11 players who are going to represent it, and there's no probably there's no other team. It's not an AFL team where you've got to grow for the future and put games into young players and all that sort of stuff. Just pick the 11 best players who are in form in yep. Australia, and that's really what it is. I like what what's happening around Sheffield Shield. I like the scheduling, also the one day stuff. So there's a lot of respect now for the competitions domestically. I think in the past that uh, a combination of the selectors, probably the scheduling, uh, and it all mixed in together had players coming in and out of of Shield games, uh, in, in and out of first class games. They bowl in a first innings, rest them, and they'd be ready for the Test series later on. Yeah. Thank goodness they're not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. They're actually respecting the competition now. It's structured really well. It's a great lead into that first Test. The one-day stuff is good. They're having good blocks of that so players can get some momentum, but it's not all in one series on the little, uh, I guess, premier cricket grounds at the start of the year. They're playing on the main grounds. They're playing and they're getting used to those sort of – well, the grounds, the facilities, and, and how all that works, rather than playing on the, the little premier grounds. So, look, I, credit to Cricket Australia. They're getting it right now. Do you like the uh, the format right now of the, the one-day cup? It's definitely better, yep. as you've been saying, but there is only one more phase left of the one. Oh, there's one match coming up uh, next week with Queensland and WA, but then after that, there's only one more phase of about six or so matches and then the final. So it ends... It does end reasonably early into the uh, into the, the the cricket season. It finishes at the end of November, so we haven't even reached summer technically, and the one day series is over. Is this something that Cricket Australia should look into maybe in the future to expand it right through and run concurrently with the Sheffield Shield? 
Yeah, it's difficult because the Big Bash has got all the airtime uh, clearly when yeah. it's school holidays. So, and, and that's been the, the the main draw card there. So it's difficult to 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 factor any one day domestic cricket at that time uh, when the Big Bash is on. So, look for me, I think they've got it right. I I, I really do. They, they've got these three phases of it. Uh, it allows players to to focus in on that type of the game. Um, I know what why they did the the previous one. They wanted players to get used to a tournament phase. All the teams go to the one area and all that sort of stuff, and they play in, in uh, New South Wales predominantly. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but that ended up being a lot of the premier grounds. They're small grounds. They're playing at North Sydney. But how, does that, how, are, how does that benefit a cricketer, though, a well, tournament phase? In that, the doesn't, end, that doesn't really exist in... Well, international in, scene. In, well, I guess that's what they're trying to do is say this prepares them for a World Cup because that's what it's like. It's like playing a whole lot of games in a few weeks' time and in a few weeks' period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what they wanted to do. But it, it, the benefit really hadn't shown out in the long run anyway. So I guess they had to try it. And now I think they've, they've got it right. And it also feeds in nicely. Look, there is a one-day series uh, pretty early in January. Australia go, go over and play India. Yep. Um, there is a one-day series over there, so three one-dayers that they'll head over for, and that's after the test series. So it, it'll give them some momentum and, and some form that is ex- over an extended period. So, look, I'm happy with how it's tracking, uh, and it gives the players a good opportunity. And they do the same with... South Africa, don't they, as well? They do indeed. Yeah, so it's a, it's a strange old summer, this one, because it gets broken up pretty early, head overseas, then I think they come back later on for a couple of more uh, ODIs against New Zealand on the way back in March. That's right, yes, yeah, yeah. and that then rolls, obviously, into that uh, into that uh, World Cup T20 um, phase. Um, Tim Payne is the captain. Kevin Roberts uh, had a few things to say about him during the week. Would you yeah. like to hear? Yeah, let's hear those. It's important that we crawl before we walk and, and acknowledge that there's no one in Australian cricket other than Tim Payne that could have led the Australian men's test team the way he has over the last 18-plus months out of crisis into a, a position of relative strength and improving all the time, having retained the Ashes and, and hoping to win the upcoming series against Pakistan and New Zealand. So given Tim's outstanding leadership, what I would say at this point in time is uh, we're, we're not reviewing um, his position as captain at this point in time. We're excited and grateful that we've got him as our leader uh, for this coming season and, and we'll address uh, the, the other matters with Steve when the time comes. Kevin Roberts, the CEO of Cricket Australia, talking about Tim Payne and pretty steadfast on keeping him as the, as the leader. This is off the, uh, the background of the discussion around Steve Smith. His captaincy ban comes to an end fairly soon. And uh, a lot of people saying, well, does Steve Smith get back into the, the leadership position in Australia? But they, there's your stance from from the uh, from the governing body. Yeah, well, I, 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 and I support that. I think um, Tim Payne's done a terrific job in there. I guess it goes to show um, the, the deeper part below that is to say, if he was the only leader that could possibly have led the Australian cricket time at that uh, the Australian cricket team at that time, then maybe we need to invest a bit more into leadership, into growth of these young players to be young leaders and be able to stand up and do it. We should have multiple options. We we shouldn't be um, bereft of any talented leaders who can play the game, know the strategy, know how to interact with a group of players from all over the country and be a terrific leader in that and and be a leader of men. Uh, We probably need to focus a little bit more on that from an Australian cricket point of view. So we do have many options available at any time. There aren't too many that really stand up. No, there's not. 
And it just goes to show you get what you invest into. So that would be, well, what happened five years ago? Oh, we thought Steve Smith would just carry on forever. How lucky are we? (laughs) Dave Warner's there. He's going to be vice captain. This is fantastic. These guys are stars. But it goes to show, don't stop investing in the group underneath and really showing them the leadership type of things. It's not all just about cover drives and outswingers and how to do the skill. It's about growing that leadership part as well. So it probably did point out we we may have ignored it um, and we haven't invested in it. Um, David Warner's spot in the test side. How secure do you think that is? Uh, well, there's a bit of pressure on him, and I, I know he's feeling it. He spoke during the week as well. For me, then, the day is just worrying about what I have to do, and that score runs. Um, selectors have their job to do, and you know it's upon them to, to choose me or choose someone else. And I'm just focused on what I have to do for the team, and if I'm picked, uh, keep delivering as much as I can. I'm living the dream. I get to go out there and represent my country uh, every time I go out there. I've got three beautiful daughters and a, and a lovely wife at home, and that keeps me grounded, and um, I just love playing the game of cricket. My confidence is always high. Um, you know, Obviously, it's the first time in my career that I've been under a bit of pressure, and I hadn't scored runs, but you know, as I said, it's credit to the way Stuart Broad bowled. He had the best of me, had the best of some of the other guys as well, but you know, we've got to come back here on home turf, and put our best foot forward and you know I, I did that up in Queensland the other day and scored 100 so that's where the first test is going to be played um, there's no better way to do it than on the first test venue at the end of the day you know whether or not you, you get selected or you don't get selected you're going to try and put your um, you know as I keep saying your best foot forward for, for your states um, score as many amounts of runs as you can uh, to put your hand up and, and get selected if, if you do fantastic your job is to go out there and score runs for Australia and if you don't your job is to go out there and score runs for your state so David Warner there has been missing out on runs during the most of the domestic season. Missed out again on during the week with the, the Shield game made I think fifteen in the first innings and then not much in the in the one day cup match either. But he's keeping a positive outlook, which is all he can do. He's not going to come out and say, "Oh, I'm down in the dumps." And oh, I'm, he's he's back in the Australian setup. He's going to. I suppose put on the front that he's he's upbeat yeah. and willing to go. Yeah, look, he's an interesting character, isn't he? I thought that uh, in there, you know, he, he wanted to just flag out. Also, I've made a hundred at the Gabba, so yeah. with the first <laughs> test venue, I've done it already. So I'm good to go when we get to the Gabba. <laughs> but uh, look, it's been a real challenge for him. It probably, is, and he and he conceded that it's the first time in his career that he's really struggled for any length of time to mm. to bounce back. I know there's enormous faith in internally with the Australian cricket team. Justin Langer has a heap of faith in how he performs and and knows that I guess with each failure, he's closer to success. Uh, but now's the time for him to start performing and really putting up those numbers. It's going to be difficult. He goes into the T20 series now. He'll be opening the batting yeah. uh, starting tomorrow. So he doesn't get um, too many shield opportunities uh, to fire back. But uh, as I said before, good batting with Labashane, good batting in white ball or red ball, good batting's good batting. And that, that could hold him in good stead for that test series. A lot of eyes on him tomorrow at the Adelaide Oval. David Warner, this is Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. We'll chat a bit of WBBL after this. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Stumps with Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain this weekend, a day out from the first international men's match of the uh, of the season, but there's been plenty of women's matches that has been keeping us entertained over the last couple of weeks with the international women's matches now going back a few weeks against Sri Lanka and the Women's Big Bash League, which is keeping a lot of us entertained at the moment, and it has been entertaining so far through the first couple of weekends 
Bryce McGain. It's always nice. You just turn on the TV on a Saturday afternoon and you've got a whole heap of games on uh, on free-to-wear and on the Cricket Australia website as well. It's been good entertainment. Yeah, it's excellent. And uh, again, the scheduling, I, I can't compliment it enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've got their own airtime. It's not thrown in amongst the, the big bash and gets lost in there. Um, I think it's been terrific and a great start to the tournament. A uh, couple of games on today at Ellerborne Field. They had a double header in there. The Adelaide Strikers got over the hurricane, uh, the, the Hobart Hurricanes uh, to win a tight one there. Um, they held on by three go- three Very runs. Very tight. <laughs> yeah, it was a real tight one. And that's what it is. There's thrilling cricket everywhere and anything can happen. And uh, the Strikers getting their number done there. This, the Sydney Sixers, they, they won their second game uh, for the tournament as well. They knocked over the Melbourne Stars. Melbourne Stars struggling along a little bit there. Um, Marizan Cap, the South African bowler, took a hat-trick to mm. wrap up the Stars' innings, and uh, and then they were able to uh, chase it down pretty easily. Um, the other game there were of uh, that we had, it's just coming up on my screen now. Brisbane and Perth. Yeah, Brisbane and Perth. Brisbane set a real competitive total there, uh, 146, 7 for 146. This is the second game that they had at... Um, Ellen Borderfield, but the Perth Scorchers led by Meg Lanning um, at the top of the order there, 147, just one wicket down. Nicole Bolton didn't even get a hit batting at four. So, um, you know, incredibly talented batting lineup there with the, with the Scorchers right at the very top. Amy Jones, another one of the uh, English imports that have come in. A lot of the the English internationals have done really well so far. We were speaking about this last week with Carl Sandry, the Renegades assistant coach. And at that point, Danny White and Tammy Beaumont hadn't quite fired yet, but the day after, uh, after we'd spoken to him, they both made reasonable totals last weekend. And so now we're starting to see these uh, these international players, especially the English women, do very well. And Amy Jones had a couple of highlights from last weekend behind the stumps and now making runs early today with 60 not out. Yeah, that's exactly right. So look, at, and that's the strength of the WBBL. It does, this is the best uh, women's T20 competition in the world and they all come they all want to be involved in it and and it's structured it's structured up so well uh, it, it's it's such a good tournament to see the very best female cricketers from around the world look it's a real log jam at the top of the table so most teams have played three games uh, the, the strikers hurricanes the renegades are up there they've won two as well uh, and the sixes all four of those teams have, have won two games. Uh, Brisbane uh, have won one of their three. Scorchers and, and Thunder have played two games. They've won. They're, they're at fifty percent strike rate, and unfortunately, the Melbourne Stars at the bottom in their three games yet to register a win. So they'll be looking to bounce back pretty quick. But there are plenty of games to come. So it's a it's a big series. There's plenty of games. So they need to fire. The Stars have really missed out with the bat. They haven't yeah. fired a shot with the bat. Yeah. Um, the young players as well is, again, another talking point from the WBBL. We spoke about Phoebe Litchfield last week. Um, Tess Flintoff, another one, the yeah. 16-year-old from the Stars, who continued to perform. And this has been another great highlight of, of the WBBL. And Phoebe Litchfield looks fantastic. Made a 50 last week. Yeah, she was outstanding, the left-hander, and uh, has shots all around the park and glide the ball away, ramp, do everything, and has power as well. Yeah. And that's the thing with these girls, because they've really – uh, well, probably rolled into a, a a full-time environment, although these girls are at school still, but yeah. they're, they're into a professional environment that actually sets them up to doing that. They don't know any different. It's not like they've got to 25 and then, uh, you know, ha- having to work and then play cricket and do those type of things. It's just study and then go and work on their cricket. And we're seeing the very, very best come through at a very young age. So, 
it, it is exciting, and there'll be many more of these girls that'll be popping up. Um, is there a, a girl in particular in the WBBL that's uh, stood out for you, or do you think might be a, a real standout player for the future? Has anyone caught your eye, Jordan? For the future? Well, I've, I've... well, just in this tournament, who who might be the one that goes? Wow, like they've really got it. The, the, the obvious ones, obviously Meg Lanning and oh, yes, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and and the likes. Like this, you know, there's some top end Australian players that are fantastic. Well, it's yeah, hard to take your eyes away from from those in particular. Like Meg Lanning's had a great tournament. Elise Perry obviously has had a had a great tournament so far as well. Um, as I said before, I've, I'm on the Phoebe Litchfield train. I've, there's a great little highlights package from last week, two minutes or so from from YouTube, and it's just the shots that she was playing were were fantastic as well. Um, no, I think I think it's been pretty spread actually. There's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of games where some players have fired and then other players haven't, and then the next match it's sort of vice versa. So I think it's it's gen, been generally spread out um, quite evenly across uh, across the the um, the tournament so far. But it does feel like a lot of the international players have um, who represented their country are taking centre stage at the moment. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Look, one one for me, and I, I one of the highlight Jess Duffin. It's uh, Jess Cameron is a. Uh, yep. Has played a number of games for Australia in one day and and also T20. Uh, famous also for football, exactly. playing for Collingwood Football Club, and now will play with North, North Melbourne, Melbourne yep. going in the future. Uh, reports out of the Renegades is that she is absolutely smashing the ball at the moment and w- should continue on in this tournament. So keep an eye on Jess Duffin. Uh, she's a star w- when when uh, she plays any Premier cricket. She hasn't played a lot of the, the state cricket recently and now has a chance because of the seasons have changed now. She can just run into a full Big Bash se- season. And, uh, well, I expect her to be making plenty of runs very, very quickly. She's powerful. Still a bag full of games to come up this weekend in the Women's Big Bash League. Sydney Thunder take on the Melbourne Renegades tonight at 7pm at local time. So that's the East Coast up in Sydney. Um, check your local guides. And, and then just, and you can check Jess Duffin tonight. Yes, ab- how absolutely. How she belts them around there. And then tomorrow, a triple header. Perth Scorchers against Adelaide. Sydney Thunder against the Melbourne Stars. And then the Brisbane Heat taking on the Hobart Hurricanes. So still plenty of domestic cricket. Uh, for your entertainment across the weekend, Bryce McGain, Jordan Canellis with you here on Stumps. We'll come back and wrap things up after this. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Jordan Canellis, Bryce McGain with you here on Stumps, wrapping things up. Bryce, tomorrow, Australia, they get their cricket season underway. The men's team internationally against Sri Lanka in the T20 over at the Adelaide Oval. Um, what do Australia need to be most wary of against Sri Lanka? Well, they need to be wary of uh, a very talented T20 side. They've just knocked over Pakistan. Pakistan are the number one T20 side in the world, and they, they've just beaten them over in Pakistan. They also add into that squad, there are four players, and these are names that we all would be familiar with in Malinga. He comes into that squad. Uh, Dick Weller comes in and Kasal Pereira come in. So they didn't go to Pakistan due to security concerns, and it was their choice not to go. Yep. Come in also in as Kasal Mendes. So there's four talented players that add to the team that just beat the world champion, like the yeah. best T20 yeah. team in the world. So... This isn't going to be easy strolling out on the park for Australia and away we go. This has been the vulnerable place um, for Australian cricket. Uh, T20, we haven't quite got it right at international level. Good to see Aaron Finch is okay. He's had a back spasm for a while. He reckons he's 99% fit. The the 1% that probably isn't is in his mind. You always have a bit of doubt going, gee, I don't want to feel that pain again. So, look, hopefully he's okay. He, he knows he's right to go and lead the team. But this is a great opportunity leading in. World Cup's on the horizon way out there 
but there's a huge challenge. The other challenge is also Pakistan when they come across them. Yeah. They have firepower. They have heat. They have wheels. They have five fast bowlers in Australian conditions. are going to be a massive challenge. Let's get over this series first uh, against Sri Lanka. Three T20s uh, coming up over the next week. In 20 seconds, the Shield matches for next week. Yeah, the important ones. 31st, so that's on Thursday. Uh, yep. Tasmania, Victoria, they go down there. Both winless. And, and both winless. Important to get a result there. And on the 1st of November, South Australia play South Australia. Sorry, South Australia play <laughs> New South Wales in Adelaide. That's it for Stumps this week. Bryce, we'll be back with you again next week. You bet. Good on you, Jordan.